0: Hello, Susie O'Neill here and just before we start this edition of Insight Story, I wanted to tell you about two other great series from Kaspersky that you might like. Fast Forward by Tomorrow Unlocked explores the past, present and future of the technologies around us. Season one is out now with episodes about cities of the future, the new space race and more. And season two will drop this spring with six fresh new episodes including Women in STEM, Digital Health and the Metaverse. Plus, if you want to hear about the latest news and views from the world of cybersecurity, join Jeff Esposito in the US and David Buxton in the UK for Kaspersky Transatlantic. They chat security around current tech news and recent topics like ChatGPT and A Fish That Plays Pokemon. You'll find links to both these series in our show notes, but you'll also find them wherever you get your podcasts. So track them down and click follow so you don't miss an episode. Okay, let's get on with this edition of Insight Story. On average, a company undergoes
1: about 270 cyber attacks a year. We found that consumers
2: may back out of a purchasing decision if they feel their privacy is under
0: threat. Hello and welcome to Insight Story, brought to you by Kaspersky, the global cybersecurity experts. I'm Susie O'Neill, editor of Secure Futures. It's Kaspersky's magazine for business leaders, and our aim with this podcast is to give you real insight into the tech that affects your business. Each time we unpack a hot tech trend and we do it by looking at theory and practice. So we talk to a specialist who can help us understand what that trend is all about. Then we hear from someone in business who's actually using the technology. What decisions have they made? How did that go? What have the benefits been and the challenges? The idea is that wherever you are in the world and whatever you do, you'll have better insight into your next tech step. This time we're asking, what does digital trust really mean? Digital trust. If it's a phrase you haven't heard before, you're not alone. It's only come together as a concept quite recently, but it's a phrase you'll be hearing about more and more. Because as technology evolves, so does the need for anyone and everyone involved in any kind of online activity to be protected. So it covers things like privacy, data safety, the use of artificial intelligence, and many more things that are now part of everyday business life. But what does earning your customers trust really involve? How do you go about complying with a dizzying number of rules and regulations that deal with privacy and data? And what do you need to do now to make sure your business is future-proofed when it comes to digital best practice? In a minute, I'm going to be joined by two people who live and breathe these issues and are ready to unpack it for us. But before we get to that, let's make sure we're clear on some definitions and we have someone we trust to help us. Hello, I am Dolly,
3: your insight assistant, How can i help you today hello dolly we need to know what digital trust is all about digital trust is about customers having confidence in an organization to protect and secure their data and be transparent about how it uses that data the world economic forum says digital trust is an individual's expectation that digital technologies and services and the organizations providing them will protect all stakeholders' interests and uphold societal expectations and values. Okay, I'm getting it. So how important is digital trust to a business? According to a 2022 global survey by McKinsey, of over 3,000 consumers, customers regarded trustworthiness and a company's data protection practices to be nearly as important as price and delivery time when it came to making a purchase. 52% of business purchasers said they had stopped buying from a company they felt didn't protect their data. Wow, that's quite important. The research also indicates that organizations that are best positioned to build digital trust are also more likely than others to see annual growth rates of at least 10% on their top and bottom lines. Great. So how can they do that? Businesses can invest in the right cybersecurity to protect systems and customer data. But they also need to think about things like transparency, clear communication around data usage, and the ethical use of artificial intelligence. Okay, thank you very much,
0: Dolly. That is really your name, right?
3: Yes, Susie, it
0: is. I don't know. I always end up irritating Dolly somehow. Anyway, I think it's clear that digital trust is important. So let's find out about how companies like yours can make sure everything is in place to reassure customers. Joining me to help with that are, first of all, Muge Fazliolu. She is principal Researcher of her privacy law and policy for the International Association of Privacy Professionals, and her work there covers legislative processes, comparative legal analysis, and work on individual privacy concerns. Hello, and welcome, Muge. Thank you for having me. And Malek Ben-Salem is a management consultant specialising in emerging tech security. She works directly with clients on improving the security of their digital infrastructures and she's particularly focused on the use of artificial intelligence and its role in digital safety. Thank you for joining us, Malek. Thank you, Susie, for having me. So let me start with a question. We've long realised the importance of safety when it comes to the use and misuse of data, but digital trust has become something of a buzz phrase lately. Malek, what would you define digital trust as?
1: To me, uh, digital trust is the confidence we have as users in the ability of technology, but also people and processes to create a secure digital world for us. And that involves our confidence that our data is protected and is secured, and that our privacy is protected. But it's also trust in the reliability of the digital transactions that we engage in. Can those be conducted reliably? It's trust in the identity of the party I'm communicating with. Can I know reliably that the person or or the entity I'm communicating with is who they say they are? It's trust in the veracity and the integrity of the information that I am receiving as a user or as a consumer. So certainly it's about data security, but it's also about reliability. It's about data integrity and it's about technology, but also about people and processes as well.
0: Wow, that's a rich mix of of different issues to bring together. So so Mugay, your organisation, the International Association of Privacy Professionals, has just done a survey that focuses on consumers and their attitude to privacy. I'm really interested to know more about that. What is it that people care about and are they trusting corporations now?
2: Trust is a notoriously difficult concept to pin down. The idea of trust is tied to a personal relationship we have with our data itself. And so our trust in situations where we may or may not share data depends on so many contextual variables. Perceptions about the party we are sharing it with, about the value of the data to them, its value to us. A judgment about the sensitivity of the data, which is tied to what might happen if that data were revealed. So consumer awareness is an important consideration. I think things are different now in that privacy has moved from a concern just in people's minds to a concern that they know how to act upon and are willing to act upon. So we found out that many people actually do take steps to protect their privacy. For example, consumers may delete an app from their phone, withhold some personal information, or even back out of a purchasing decision if they feel their privacy is under threat. Consumers are more attuned to privacy in that it is one of the factors along with the quality, price, Etc. that they will consider when deciding which products and services to buy. And privacy is an even more pronounced uh, consideration for certain information-sensitive or potentially intrusive industries. For example, when choosing a web browser or smart home device, we are seeing uh, some big brands featuring privacy-related messaging in their advertising and marketing. Um, at the end of the day, I think if and when organizations take the necessary steps to enhance privacy and data protection, I think privacy will give credibility to them.
0: That's fascinating. And also the fact that there's economic decisions purchasing power in whether consumers think that you're uh, investing in privacy properly or not. Definitely. So Malik, you talk about the fact that every business is a digital business. I love that expression. Um, but the point being is that no one can really ignore this anymore, can they? So where do you think businesses should start if they're trying to improve their trust profile?
1: To get started with building trust, you need to start with the idea of building a secure infrastructure and allowing for secure transactions. To do that, you need to have, obviously, a cybersecurity strategy. You need to have the proper governance in place. You need to hire the right talent. And I would add to that, more importantly, you need to be transparent. You need to tell your customers where do you stand with cybersecurity. Have the right policies in place and share them with your customers and with your investors and shareholders. Demonstrate your commitment to... To your policies, and you can therefore earn the trust of your um, customers and shareholders as well.
0: So it goes really full circle between the consumers, shareholders, board and policy. Everybody needs to be on the same page with understanding your commitments. Absolutely. Fascinating. Amuge, your report also deals with the things that companies are doing to either help or harm trust. Could you give us a few examples of those?
2: Sure. So I think a lot of them start with recognizing that few consumers really have a good grasp of how companies use their information, what kinds of information they collect, and if they follow good privacy practices. And so a lot of best practices are in the realm of what we might call transparency, as Melek mentioned. So writing a simple, clearer privacy policy, creating a user-centric web page that makes it easy for individuals to exercise their privacy rights... And we know this is also a priority for regulators. Uh, The Federal Trade Commission in the U.S. recently fined a video company for making it hard for consumers, children in particular, to use privacy protective settings in the game. Put simply, you want to be able to shine a bright light on what you are doing. Another way to do this is to train employees on how to communicate the company's privacy practices to its consumers. And I think that comes from really making privacy not just a legal requirement, but a value that should be protected. Another related area is the handling of data breaches, being unprepared for a data breach when it happens, or responding slowly will come with the additional loss of consumer loyalty.
0: So putting in place that incident response, planning for the inevitability, because we do say it's impossible to avoid a, a data breach now, it's about how you plan.
2: Exactly. Companies need to be prepared to act quickly in these events.
0: And Malik, to quote another survey, a recent McKinsey report said 70% of people trust companies to protect their privacy. But then the report concluded that most companies aren't putting themselves in a position to live up to the consumer's expectations. Do you agree with that? Yeah,
1: absolutely. On average, a company undergoes about 270 cyber attacks a year. On the other hand, they're not investing enough in security. We've surveyed a lot of CEOs and CFOs, and they say that they're not allocating funds adequately. 46% uh, say that their security budgets are lacking, preventing them from realizing the cybersecurity objectives. We find that the budgets have increased. Uh, Security budgets are about 15% now of overall IT budgets. But what's missing is that they're not allocated properly to bring about the right outcomes that CFOs and CEOs would like to see. So I think there needs to be work, obviously around budgeting, but also around defining the right cybersecurity strategy for these organizations.
0: What about uh, gold standards? Are there any companies that stand out? Yeah, absolutely. I think a couple of companies do stand out.
1: For instance, Apple, in its way of using privacy-preserving technology to train AI systems on mobile phones, so they use things like federated learning and differential privacy in particular, where the data that is being used to train models, such as the speech recognition models, or for other companies, the data that is being used to autocomplete uh, your search query is all kept local on your mobile device and is used to train a local model. And that data can be then used to update a more general model that can be applied to a lot of uh, users. So in that sense, your data is not being shared, is not uploaded to the cloud. It stays local, but it's being leveraged to improve the AI models that are used for speech recognition or autocomplete. Even though that's nascent technology, I think there are leading companies that are adopting that technology to improve their customers' privacy.
0: And Moogape, it's not always easy for people to understand what companies are actually doing with your data and those impenetrable terms and conditions that they expect us to read. So what do you think businesses should do to make things more transparent and clear?
2: No one is reading privacy agreements and the duty should not be on people to understand and make daily decisions based on lengthy and complicated legal agreements even though there are laws that encourage simple and plain language privacy policies that is easier said than done uh, because at the end of the day it has to include a lot of language to meet requirements of data protection and privacy laws and regulations Of course, questions about how a company communicates its data practices affects trust. Uh, Why are they using consumer data? Are they explaining this clearly to them? And yes, I think consumer awareness is important. I'm not sure, though, if the role of creating awareness should belong solely to companies. I think we should not forget that there is also an important role for regulators around the world to raise awareness and provide education. And they're doing that. The uh, FTC has workshops and awareness campaigns. EU data protection agencies or supervisor authorities, as they're called, have different roles. And one of these is to educate the public on privacy and data protection issues. So I think insofar as every entity is a part of this digital ecosystem from companies to governments to individuals. I feel like they each have a unique part to play.
0: So Simalek, turning to you, your work in the field of artificial intelligence is really helping improve cybersecurity. So tell us a little bit more about how that's working and how that might be relevant to me if I'm running an international organisation.
1: Cybersecurity is certainly one of the applications for AI Uh, across all security domains. So you can think of AI being used for authenticating people by profiling their behavior to gain more assurance in the identity of the person that is interacting with a system, whether it's a laptop or their mobile phone. AI being used to detect security events and incidents and to automate the response to the cyber incident that is being detected. Uh, AI is being used to automatically classify data, especially data that is unstructured like business documents. So you don't have to have people reviewing the contents of the document to tell whether this is sensitive or confidential, but AI can automatically do that. So the applications of AI across all security domains are uh, uncountable. And uh, I think we need to use more and more AI, especially while we know
0: that our cyber adversaries are using AI to conduct attacks. And the emphasis here seems to be on consumers owning and controlling their own data and then granting permission where necessary when they want to. Practically, how do you go about doing that? I think we're at the verge of uh, emerging new technologies that would help us
1: enable consumers to own their data through distributed digital identities that uh, are enabled by blockchain technologies, for instance. And in this case, the idea is to have people own uh, their full identity and have pieces of identities that they can share on a need basis. So, for instance, if, you know, I'm trying to purchase something that requires me to be 21 years of age, then all I need to share is just a proof that I'm over 21 and not share my full identity with my uh, birth date, etc.
0: Is that what we call zero trust principles, where you just uh, let people have access to the information they need?
1: Certainly, this aligns with Zero Trust principles. We are seeing Zero Trust being deployed today. So even though we don't have Web3, the idea here is for businesses to allow access to information on a per-need basis. So for their clients or for their own employees who are asking to access a certain file, for instance, or a certain piece of information, that access is only granted after verifying that this is the person who they need they are and that they need that access at that moment. That's what we call zero-trust privilege
0: uh, or zero-trust principles. Muge, there are many data privacy laws in the world right now. I think you have the exact number. Is that right? Uh, There are about 156
2: global privacy laws as of today, double the number there were just 10 years ago.
0: So how do businesses possibly keep up with that? Is it just about following the laws or should they be doing more? A great question. I usually
2: say it's not just about compliance. It's more than that. It should be more than that. And of course, ethically, if they pay attention to privacy issues and consumers, concerns, that's a desirable thing for them to do. Again, I'm biased toward privacy, but I think spending some time thinking about privacy and going beyond the ideal compliance is important for organizations. I don't mean to diminish compliance. Uh, of course, compliance is dynamic. It is ongoing and it is critical to a business and there needs to be a constant attention to that. But I think it's also important to consider privacy as a reputational asset and um a value for many organizations that can be thought of as more than a legal requirement. There are various ways to reach out to consumers from email to digital ads to social media. So I think it would be worth evaluating whether organizations are using these mediums in a meaningful
0: way. Thank you. And as this show is called Insight Story, we always ask our guests to bring one golden nugget of information that they think organisations should really know and put the top of their board discussions tomorrow about this topic of digital trust. So let's turn to you first, Malik. What's your insight you would like to share with businesses?
1: I wouldn't call it an insight, but I think an opportunity that we should not miss. With the emphasis on sustainability in ESG frameworks, I think we have an opportunity to include cybersecurity into those ESG frameworks so that we can elevate the discussion about security to the board
0: level. So ESG is environmental, social and governance. So it's the way you can do better better business. Exactly. Thank you. Muge, what about you? What's the insight you would like to share with our business audiences?
2: If you don't mind, Susie, I will want to share my final insight and make it about pranks and individuals. I think it's also important uh, insight for business as well. I would keep in mind that all the smart technological products we are using in our daily lives that have lots of different features and process lots of different kinds of information, I would recommend just taking a step back and thinking about how we are using those technologies. And just like companies need to constantly monitor and work toward compliance, we as individuals should regularly monitor our own data sharing and use the privacy features we have available to us. Even simply opting out of some third-party data sharing processes. Maybe it isn't too much, but it is your right. And if you don't exercise your rights, they can't become stronger. That will be my insight.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much, Muge and Malek, for helping us to get to grips with what digital trust is all about. And if you're enjoying our insights, then don't forget that you can read more stories on the topics we cover in Secure Futures. It's Kaspersky's digital magazine about innovative tech for innovative leaders. We've got articles from the Insight Stories series and an interview about data privacy with Cambridge Analytica's whistleblower, how to be clever instead of creepy using customer data, and new research about how to build trust in business relationships and virtual teams across different global cultures. You can find the link to Secure Futures in the Insight Story show notes. Of course, having the right cybersecurity measures in place is at the heart of making sure that your customers trust you. So to give us some more insights into how you do that, I'm joined by Fabio Asselini from our Latin America Great Research Team. Hi, Fabio.
4: Hello, Susie.
0: Uh, Tell us, there are many different ways customers can build better trust through cybersecurity. What do you think are some of the main ways?
4: I think one of the main ways is to have transparency. You need to trust the cybersecurity providers you have especially because we are seeing these days a lot of targeted attacks and sometimes abusing the software or the infrastructure provided by a cybersecurity company.
0: So what ways can vendors become more transparent and show uh, their customers that?
4: Security vendors can be much more transparent when they offer their technologies, their code to be viewed by its customers. That's what we are doing at Kaspersky. We run many transparency centers worldwide, including here in Latin America, where our customers can review our code, review the processes of the updates, and so on to check everything is okay. This is very desirable for some government entities. This is very important because you need to trust the security software that you're putting on your network, especially because security software has access to all the assets on your network.
0: So having an official process like a transparency center or a code review is a starting point. And what about the role of employees and getting everyone up to skill with cybersecurity?
4: Here I think uh, trainings are very important because sometimes a, a very simple phishing attack will be delivered to only one employee. And if this employee are very well trained to spot and to identify this phishing attempt, it will be something very good in and, and the point of view of corporate security because sometimes big attacks, they start really small. And if you can identify, then in the very beginning will be something good when we talk about security.
0: So a small phishing attack can attack the big pond very quickly. Um, What about system access? We're hearing a lot of different things and ideas around that, like zero trust. Do you think that's a solution to to build trust?
4: Yeah, it's a way. The least privileged principle, it's something desirable. But a lot of networks, they need to adapt to these principles. It's a challenge for administrators nowadays it's not so easy to implement, but I think it is uh, very important to understand how it works and start to prepare corporate networks to work on a least privilege principle.
0: So we've heard from our experts that securing customer data is critical for building trust. If you're dealing with sensitive data, you need the right level of protection. Kaspersky has many different solutions customised to different industries and needs that can protect against the most advanced threats. For one cybersecurity ecosystem for all your needs, search Kaspersky Enterprise on your smart speakers or check the show notes. That's it for this edition of Insight Story, Tech Trends Unpacked, brought to you by Kaspersky. You can find us on all the major platforms. Just click follow and you'll get every edition in the series. Plus, if you like what you hear, please leave us a rating and give us a review. We would love to know what you think. And it really helps people find us and get the benefits of all this useful insight. We have a go at discovering how smart energy tech can save you money, understanding artificial intelligence and machine learning, unblocking blockchain, getting to the bottom of what the metaverse really is and why it matters, and explore the wonderful world of extended reality. If you want to get ahead, you really can't afford to miss it. Till next time, goodbye. Goodbye. So Dolly, I hope you know I trust you completely. I mean that's really important.